Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. Thank you so much for joining me for episode 25 of the Adventure Games Podcast. And this week I've got a really interesting interview coming up. But first I just want to talk about uh, some of the adventure game news that's been happening lately. I've uh, got a, quite a few games to talk about very briefly. Now, the links will all be in the show notes, but I'll just talk about these games very briefly now. So, first, Pteropods, an adventure game full of dinosaurs, a game which I've spoken about quite a bit. And this game has been fully funded on Kickstarter. The developers reached their goal and this game will now definitely be released and is set to be released sometime in 2020. So huge congratulations to Costas and Sarah. And I myself was a backer of this game, so I cannot wait for this game to come out. So huge congratulations to them. Elsewhere, on another Kickstarter, Kumo, A Boy in the Clouds. This game is an atmospheric puzzle exploration game centered around a young 10-year-old boy named Kumo who is lost in limbo, finding his way forward, holding on to hope that he may return to his world. So this game is a single-player journey and is full of world-changing puzzles and hidden passages as well. So this game is available on Kickstarter until August 31st, so you can check it out there. Uh, Next, another exploration game is called A Short Hike. So the title suggests in this game you hike, climb and soar through a peaceful mountainous landscapes of Hawk Peak Provincial Park. You follow the marked trails or explore the backcountry as you make your way to the summit. Along the way you meet other hikers, discover hidden treasures and take in the world around you as you can hike at your own pace. It's available now on Steam. Next is The Sojourn, which is another thought-provoking puzzle game. And in this game, you arrive in a mysterious land where lights guide you forward. It's not long until the world reveals itself to be full of challenges. Now you must overcome these intricate and ever more demanding obstacles to uncover the nature of reality. And this game will be available on 20th of September 2019. It will be out on PS4, Xbox One and on Epic Game Store for the PC. Now for something a little bit darker, The Black Widow. In this game you investigate the true case of Australia's first female serial killer, Louisa Collins. So in this game... You ask your own questions by communicating directly with the convicted killer using a Ouija board. So by asking your own questions, you need to determine whether she was truly guilty or unjustly executed. This provocative format challenges players to reflect on their own prejudices and reconsider the verdict of a contentious legal case. Was the accused a callous adulteress, drunkard and liar? 
or a victim of sexist expectations. So you can find out by getting this game on Steam as well, which is out now. So this game is out now on Steam as well. Elsewhere, Dry Drowning is a psychological investigative visual novel set in a futuristic dystopian universe of Nova Polemos. In this game, you follow the story of Mordred Foley, an unscrupulous private detective haunted by his dark past, and you look into a series of macabre serial killings inspired by Greek mythology. As an old saying has it, if a man is destined to drown, he will drown even in a spoonful of water. And in the end, the tragedy of our entire existence comes down to a slow drowning into inevitability. And when our lungs are full, we always depart in the same way, with a broken dream and an empty spoon. Empty, just like our souls. My name is Mordred Foley, and what I'm about to tell is one of those stories that will keep you awake. So this game has more than 150 story branches and three completely different endings. And in this game, you have to make heavy moral choices and you change the way you live the game. It has more than 20 hours of gameplay and you can also explore the detective's flashbacks and investigate cases from the past to help you solve new ones. It also has psychological interrogations where you need to break the masks and uncover the truth with the living nightmare system. So this game, as all the other games seem to be released this week, is out now on Steam. Next, we have Lightstep Chronicles, which is a dark sci-fi text-based adventure. In this game, you play as a military captain exploring an off-world underground crash site. You discover an ancient spaceship of alien technology and imperial livery. And you are then whisked away on an intergalactic adventure, trying to stay alive and in a spaceship that clearly has a hidden agenda. In this game, you communicate with the ship's AI, a manic creature that seems to be at war with itself. Now, this game shares the universe of the Dark Horse comic series Lightstep. The game focuses on the thin line between humanity and artificial intelligence and the very nature of transcendence. So that game again is Lightstep Chronicles, developed by Elpix Entertainment. And you guessed it, it's out now on Steam. And next we have Solo, Islands of the Heart. This is an introspective puzzle adventure set on a gorgeous and surreal archipelago. You reflect on your loving relationships by exploring contemplative, dreamlike islands. So this game is a game about love, about love as fuel, the force that drives us. So you reflect on love's place in your life with a personal and introspective branching narrative. 
you need to combine blocks with different properties offering multiple solutions for most puzzles and in this game you contemplate and explore a living world you take photos of the charming colorful islands amidst tran tranquil tunes or play the guitar for cute creatures so this game is also out now and you guessed it yep it's out now on steam and finally Gibus a cthulhu adventure is also out now it was released this wednesday august 7th this game has been in development for at least four years and is one of the games i've been most looking forward to playing this year and i had a chance to speak with the developer livu bor way back in january about his game gibus a cthulhu adventure and he spoke in great detail without spoilers about the making of the game and about the game so he spoke about the truly insane lengths that he and his team went to to make this game the best game they possibly could and he also spoke a little bit about how he managed to convince the witcher himself doug cockle who gave the voice of the witcher in the three witcher games to appear in this game as well so i think you all really enjoyed this interview and so without further ado first here is a trailer of the game followed by the interview please enjoy it all started when i found this book what the f wait are you actually talking back to me took you a while huh the necronomicon in all its glory it should never fall into the hands of madmen you really think i want to be like you for the rest of my life she's really unhappy with her current situation Man, this is just like in the movies. This could be very dangerous. The men in red shirts are notoriously lucky. Hear that, kitty? Adventure awaits. I can barely contain my enthusiasm. Yeah, well, it ain't all fun and games. We're dealing with lunatics here. This place is giving me the serious creeps. Strange and mysterious are why I work this beat. Wait a minute! Care to explain what's going on here? Do you ever watch the moon above Co-op? Noises. Horrible. It was horrible. And there's a talking cat. Again, I'm right here. Rude. Cthulhu Fatigan! So today I'm joined by Livu Bor, who is uh, making adventure game Gibus a Cthulhu adventure. Or how, how do you pronounce that? Is it Cthulhu uh, or it's, Cthulhu? It, it's Cthulhu, but... Actually, Lovecraft says that, you know, it's not really supposed to be pronounced by by the likes of us, you know, so it's pretty <laughs> much anything goes. But most people say Cthulhu, yeah. Okay, because I said Cthulhu, but you're the expert, you're the one making the game, so... Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me, uh, Livy. How are you today? Uh, it's a pleasure. I'm, I'm good. Uh, I was just telling you I'm a little bit tired because... Uh, We've just started uh, working on on the final, very final batch of voices for the game, and our actors in, are located in, in in LA, in California. And so I've just been uh, I've just been we've been communicating. Uh, I mean, my local time was at night; their local time was was during the day. So I've been waking up every few hours and just talking to them and giving them giving them directions. 
and talking about pronunciations and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a little bit loopy, but I'm very excited to talk <laughs> adventure games. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, so I can imagine you up during the night and when they say, how do you pronounce this in English? And, you know, do, can you speak yeah. your own language then? <laughs> I know yeah, myself. <laughs> it was mostly Romanian uh, names that they had no idea how to pronounce. And since they're my language, I forgot that. People don't know how to pronounce them because we have a part that's taking part, uh, a part of the game that, that happens in Transylvania. So, you know, it's, yeah, but it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's great to see that we're, we're finally getting everything together and, and the game is, is nearing completion. Yes, yes, no, because I know we've been a couple of years making this. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a lot. So we're finally getting to the end stretch. So yeah, so we, we'll be sure we'll be talking about this, this game and find out more about it. First of all, I was wanting to ask you for the people who, maybe don't know about you, could you give um, a brief introduction about yourself and say what adventure game or games are your favorites? Sure. I've been a PC gamer, I guess, since 97 when I got my first computer, but my my first introduction to adventure games was a little bit earlier, actually. So uh, I didn't have a computer and we didn't have an arcade in, in my small town, but there was this guy who had a couple of 486s in a basement. It was, it was kind of shady. So he would rent them out to, to us kids, you know, for us to play all kinds of games, but mostly we would just rent them out for half an hour to play Mortal Kombat 2 because, you know, it's the kind of game that you can just just get a few rounds of kicking each other in and and call it a day, you know. And exactly um, what you need to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, hard day uh, at school. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And at the same time, I'm I'm a very I used to be one of I mean I still am and uh, what you would call an artistic kid. Ever since I was three, I just started drawing and drawing everywhere, uh, and that was my favorite pastime. And and I even went to art school on it and all that stuff. And uh, one of the best moments in my childhood was when we got cable and I could just watch cartoons for. 12 hours straight if my parents would let me, which never happened. But yeah, I was just obsessed with cartoons. So there, there were these two passions in my life when I was like, I don't, I don't remember. It was like 13 or 14. I was a teenager. So I was crazy about cartoons and crazy about games like Mortal Kombat. But I had no idea that they could, you know, cohabit. They could coexist together into one package. So uh, one day when we were, we had been playing Mortal Kombat and our time was up and the guy who was renting out the computers would just, you know, you just, he'd just sit down and play other games and would just stand around and watch because we had no computers at home. It was just fun to watch someone playing a computer game, you know, it's sort of like Twitch, but without the Twitch back in the days. <laughs> the Twitch <laughs> of the 90s. <laughs> yeah, the Twitch of the 90s, just, uh, just uh, you know just peering over someone's shoulder as they play computer games. And that's how I saw a lot of the uh, uh, the classics of the time, you know, like the like your Dooms and your Dark Force and stuff. Until one day, the guy played Day of the Tentacle. And that was just like a boom. It was just like an epiphany to me because I just realized that you could make cartoons and video games at the same time. And that was the first time I saw an, a, a point-and-click adventure game. And I don't know, somewhere back in, in the back of my mind, I was I was starting to think that it, it seemed like such a distant dream. But if I ever somehow became an animator and if I ever somehow was were in the position to make a video game, it would definitely have to be a point-and-click adventure. And this was like 20 years ago. So in the meantime, I did somehow become, a, you know, like a self-taught uh, animator and and uh, and graphic artist and started making the game and lo and behold it's an adventure game so so day of the tentacle was the was was the turning point for me even though it's not the first uh, adventure game that i played uh the very first adventure game that i played was uh the curse of monkey island which is also i think it's the biggest visual influence on our game 
Sure, uh, yeah, another cartoon style. Yeah, yeah another cartoon yeah, yeah. style. Yeah, because, you know, a big cartoon fan. But other than that, uh, uh, I think this would be my, my, my top three adventure games of all time. Day of the Tentacle, The Curse of Monkey Island, and uh, Grim Fandango. Oh, yes, well, three... three. <laughs> Three very good choices. So you're, Three big you're defi- ones, yeah. Definitely a LucasArts guy, yes? Definitely a LucasArts guy. Yeah, yeah, fans, absolutely. Yes. Uh, no, I, I do I do enjoy uh, Sierra Adventure games. Sure, I yeah. Just, yeah, I just didn't come into contact with them until uh, a lot later. Somehow, it just happened. And, you know, of course, uh, LucasArts, uh, LucasArts games had a bit of bit more of an appeal to me because of the whole uh, cartoony angle and of course uh, because of the humor and also because of the fact that they were a little bit um friendlier i guess than your than the than the sierra titles you know nothing sure, against yeah. them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know no i'm i'm the same you know i grew up playing the lucasarts games uh the, i think the curse of monkey island is my first lucasarts game i played that before playing the first two monkey island games same here. And, yeah, yes. I didn't really understand much of what was going on in Curse of Monkey Island, but I loved it, <laughs> and I loved it visually as well. It didn't and really matter back then, did it? Exactly. Like, no, no, you were just like, oh, yeah, and, uh, and I loved Murray the Skull, you know, I didn't know oh, who he yeah, was, yes. and and then I played the first two Monkey Island games, and I thought, wait, what, why is he smaller? Why, <laughs> <laughs> why is he pixelated? Yeah, exactly. But then I thought, you know what, I still love it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And, it's, uh, yeah, it's weird yeah. to think that, that we we both played them out of out of sequence and and yeah. somehow you know it, there's this uh, there's a little bit of animosity towards curse in in the case of some players and and I can sort of understand it because it must have been a huge paradigm shift you know like a huge change in perspective yes, yes. from the small pixelated sprite to the huge lanky <laughs> uh guy brush um yeah, like, how did we become taller and <laughs> <laughs> But I love, I love, I personally love all three of them. Curse just has a, Curse has a special place in, in my heart because, uh, it was the first, very first game that I ever played on my own computer. And it also was very cartoony, which is very, you know, it hit, hit very close to home for me. And, oh, yes. and yeah. And also it has this, I don't know, it has a slightly different type of humor from the, the previous two. Uh, you know, one that I that I I personally re- resonate more with, but they're all great. Sure, yeah, and then of course Gr- Grim Fandango is uh, yeah. Grim, a very Grim, good choice as well. Yeah, Grim is Grim is incredible. I think for several reasons. One of them would be I think it's one of the best stories ever told in games and one of the best settings. And you know, we're so thankfully we are so used now to games that, for lack of a better term, don't seem so video gamey. Right now, because they pull influences from all kinds of mediums, you know, like from books and for art, from art movies, and you get these very uh, artistic games that that surprise you, you know, that subvert your expectations and have very interesting themes. But a lot of people don't remember that back in '98, video games were, you know, pretty. I mean, most of them were either high fantasy or uh, you know action. It was very sure, yeah, yeah. Grim was very surprising at the time because. You know, combining. I mean, LucasArts did this to 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 a certain degree. They, I think, they even had this philosophy of they would never uh, make a, a classic fantasy game. I remember Tim Schafer talking about this. You know, they were trying to eschew these sort of cliches, but Grimm took it to another level by just just combining two themes that were so different and crazy, like Mexican folklore and uh, and the, and the the afterlife. And I don't know, it was just it was just and noir movies. It was just yes, yes. 
so refreshing to play back in the days. Um, yes. So yeah, it felt stag- real, you know. Felt you know like living, breeding, world, well, breeding. I know the dead, but <laughs> breeding yeah. for you know the dead people. But <laughs> but it felt like you know a real world, you know, to say that it didn't feel like extremely outlandish even though it is set in the day of the dead yeah exactly and there's also the the the, i don't know like the cinematic quality to it because Mm, yes and this also used to happen i mean it did happen in the case of some other games that were not were necessarily in the adventure game genre like uh bioforge was an example for the it was sort of like an action adventure but they were pretty rare you know these 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 games that had like a cinematic feel, but in the case of of Grimm, the fact that it was so obviously inspired by noir movies, it just made it it just made it stand out so nicely. And uh, and and another thing about it is that I really really admire was the fact that I feel like at the time maybe the 3D was maybe pushed on them. I don't think they ever admitted. Yes, I, this. I read that. Yes. Uh, yeah, that was sort of the climb. The, the times were changing already, and people weren't that much into 2D. 3D was the whole cra- the, the the new crazy thing, and and I think Tim just pulled up pulled it off beautifully because trying to make realistic or even cartoony humans at the, at the time with the technology, they would basically they were just basically uh, you know uh, smiley not smiley faces but just faces painted on yes. top of <laughs> squares basically oh yes yes not, not like nowadays but yeah, but yeah, yeah. No, i think it was amazing how they pulled it off you know yeah they pulled it yeah because they they just thought they, they just took it to just to, to the amount uh, to to the level of detail and and they just depicted something that could be depicted what with what they had available at the time i think it was very a very inspiring uh uh inspiring way of um using your limitations to your advantage, you know, and everything just came together so beautifully, everything other than the controls, because the controls... Yeah, I had to mention that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the controls were crazy, and also the puzzles were absolutely insane. Like, I admit to, I admit to reading some of the solutions in a printed magazines, because, print magazine, because they, those things actually existed back in the day. So yes. <laughs> some of those solutions I would never have been able to 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 guess them. And I think that's also one of the one of the reasons that maybe the games had a little bit of the, these adventure games, you know, they had a little bit more staying power back in the day because you would have a game and you'd maybe play it for 3 or 4 months if you didn't have anyone to to help you out with or you didn't figure it out, you'd just be stuck on there. Your own. <laughs> on your own and and it just became, you know, part of your life and until one day you figured it out and and nowadays, with walkthroughs and everything, it's just—I don't know—it just—it it just forces you as a game designer to 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 really, you know, try and try and do things differently and not not have people all tab away from your game in order to to make to be able to ha- to make a little progress, you know. Of course, um, yeah. So the challenges are different nowadays, maybe for yeah. some of the challenges at least. Absolutely. And especially, I'm- yeah, especially since now they have. 300 other games that they can turn to if they're not instantly satisfied by your game. So exactly, it's, yes. Um, a lot, lot of a lot of cheap games as well, just on Steam and GOG. That yeah, people could be uh, like, oh, I'm not liking this game. First 10 minutes, I'll try another one. And <laughs> yeah, I try not to have you know just even even just because I'm making one of these games, I have a whole new appreciation for 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 narrative sure, based yes. puzzle ga- based games. So I I try not to not to bounce off them too easily, you know, because I just know right now. I mean, I knew before, but now I know from a first hand perspective just how 
difficult and just how much work just goes into these things and just how special they are, you know, just how precious they are. Yes, no, definitely. And I've heard from someone that uh, or I think I read somewhere that from another developer saying that I think the adventure and adventure game is the most difficult type of game to make or one of the most difficult type of games, you know, to make compared to other types of games. I'm sure with AAA title games, you obviously have more money and probably, you know, a lot of pressure and everything. But he's saying, I think, with the design of the adventure game, you know, designing the story, the puzzles, the gameplay and that, that it's very, very difficult to make a really good adventure game. So, yeah, you need to, you need to somehow make sure that your, that your puzzles are as good as your story and that your story is as good as your art and that your art is as good as your music because you don't want any of these, uh, very important elements to be lagging behind, uh, sure, the yes. others. Yeah, they're a very special, they're a very special, uh, genre, especially since Unlike other games, this is one thing that you don't really take into consideration before you start making one and you're faced with the problem. Unlike other types of games, you cannot control the pacing of an adventure game and pacing is so important in any mm-hmm. kind of media, but, but especially in, in games where you're controlling everything. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just such a challenge. <laughs> it's just such a challenge, you know, just fine tuning the puzzles well enough so that they don't, that they don't, uh, you know, get you for too long. Yeah, and uh, that's that's one of the reasons that I really appreciate modern stuff, like having a bit of a having a, a hint system in a game or something something to that effect. In, in game, yes. Yeah. Yeah, and do you play any games now, or do you have time to play games? Or? Oh my god, yeah, that's that's one thing that they don't tell you. As soon as you start <laughs> making games full time, you stop playing games. Now I try to, I try to, and I try not to. Uh, you know, it, it never felt like a chore and it's never gonna feel like a chore. The one, the one, the one difference, uh, that you start noticing once you make adventure games and you start playing adventure games that you're constantly being analytical, you know, and sometimes it robs you a little bit of the fun because mm-hmm. I- instead of fully enjoying it, you're always analyzing it and going, Oh, that's why, that's what they did here. And oh, this was super nice. And I, sh- I wish I thought of this. But yeah, I do. I do play. I do. I try and play. I try not to play only adventure games. Uh, I've always yes. been more of a variety. But I, I mean, adventure games are definitely my favorite. My favorite genre. But I play a lot of games. It's just that I just don't really have the time to play games that much anymore. I do buy a lot of games and just let them sit there on my shame pile. But I think everyone does that. <laughs> yeah, no, I've got uh, oh, a lot of games just on my Steam and. GOG uh, pile that I'm yeah. slowly working my way through, but then you, you new games come out. Oh, this this looks good, <laughs> yeah. and uh, it, it happened. I was playing uh, Shardlight, you know, by Wajidai that came yeah. out a few years ago. Yep. I was just playing that earlier this year, and as I finished that, I said, "Oh, now I can play the other games." And then Dave Gilbert released the next game or his game uh, <laughs> on Avowed, and that got great reviews. And I said, "Okay, now I have to play that." And as I was playing that guy, that game. And then Lamplight City. Yes, Francisco <laughs> Gonzalez released his game. Oh, now to play that game. <laughs> but it's a nice problem to have. It's <laughs> it's a very nice problem to have. And fortunately, they're not. I mean, they are actually rare enough that they do feel like these. I think I think they feel like these these uh, these events. You know, they're like important events in the adventure game community. When one of these big, well, big for the adventure game. Uh, yes, definitely. Which, yeah. Yeah, yeah, when 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 they launch, yeah, Def- and I, I try yeah. to play. Yeah, I try to play all of these. 
actually, I never play a AAA game, and uh, I never really buy AAA games when they drop, unless it's something that really, really interests me, like the Call of Cthulhu game. Um, sure, yes. <laughs> yeah, which I haven't played yet, but I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least, you know, no one can accuse you of copying that game. Since yeah, you- <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I just uh, really didn't, I just, I just want, I want to, I want to have a little bit of time to dedicate to it, you know, because Love, Lovecraft is very close to my heart and I'm very interested in, in games that, that deal with, with the mythos. But adventure games, I do try and play them when they, I mean, buy them when they come out and play them when they come out. And there have been some really good ones this year, like, there have. uh, yeah, unforeseen incidents. Uh, I don't yes, know. I, I want, I want to play that, but yes. It's really good. It's really good. Uh, yeah, Unavowed, Lamplight City, mm-hmm. uh, Tsiok just came out. Yes, no, I know there's a, there's a lot of games, you know, to get through that. Yeah, so just, just uh, to put that, just to get that out of the way, they are not dead. They are anything but dead. Exactly. I know, cause a couple of years ago, people saying the adventure genre was dead. And I think it was Ron Gilbert, uh, who said that no, the adventure genre didn't die. It just went on vacation to Germany. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they're like, yeah, they're like the Beric Dondarian of games, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you keep killing them and they keep coming back. And they back. keep coming back. No, absolutely. Yeah. And it's great to see there's so many, you know, and there's, as I said, it seems to be like good adventure games. I think they look to be good, like so much heart and soul being put into it, and but seems to be talented developers uh, making games now. So, um, so yeah, so now we can start talking about, uh, well, we can start talking about your company and your game. So when did you start your game company? Is, is it Stuck in Attic, the name of yeah, your company? Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Stuck in Attic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we started it back in, uh, I think it was late 2014. It's, it's sort of a funny story. So <laughs> we were just, we were, uh, myself and, and, uh, and Kami, our other artists, we were actually like a very small, weird animation studio inside a bigger IT firm. Somehow we, you know, we, we, somehow we, we developed this. We, we were, I was initially like a web designer and I hated doing that. And slowly I just, I just managed to start finding animation work and, and, and just slowly developing an animation studio. But I've always wanted to make video games and preferably a point and click adventure game. And unbeknownst to me, you know, one of my colleagues, a, a programmer, he wanted the same thing and, you know, was working away at Unity, learning to code, learning to make games. And somehow someone uh, managed to uh, to crash into both our cars in front of the company. So that's oh, no. how we, yeah, <laughs> that's how we met. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, that's that's good. What, yeah. One good thing that came out of a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say car crash. They, they were just dented a little bit, you know, but well. uh, yeah, it, it was a weird thing to happen. And so we got to talking at the, uh, at the insurance company and, you know, one thing led to another. I just told him, look, we, I mean, he knew we were making animations, but he had no idea that we were into making games and I had, an idea. I mean, I, I knew I wanted to make a point and click adventure game. It was like, dude, I'm learning Unity and there's this great plugin called Adventure Creator. We could do this. And so that's how we got together. And we had a space that was available for the three of us to go there and try to try to make something. And it was an attic. And that's and we were, you know, we just voluntarily stuck ourselves in that attic for long periods of time. So when it came to naming our studio, it was just obvious that it was just going to be stuck in attic. Uh, <laughs> so, and, yeah. yeah. And what we did was, uh, what we did was we realized that, um, we realized that we were a small team and that we really had no funding. So we were going to have to go the crowdfunding way, which, which works particularly well for adventure games compared to other video game genres. 
maybe because it, maybe because it was all kicked off by by Tim Schafer and the Double Fine mm-hmm. Adventure, you know. So that's that's what we did. We 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 went into the attic and we started working on a prototype back in in 2015. And throughout 2015, we were basically actually doing paid work for the company, but using company time and resources. You know, uh, we we talked to our boss and he said it was okay to to you know to develop the the, the demo, a three room demo throughout 2015. So it was a lot of start and stop uh, work, which was a little bit frustrating, but you know, it was nice that we we had that time to put together a demo, and basically that was us just learning to make the game because you know adventure games are pretty modular. It, it, once you make a three demo room where you have most of the possible gameplay interactions, you 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 basically know how to make the game, you know. And that's that's the story. Yeah, it's very, very old school. It seems you know starting literally in an attic and making your first adventure game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it's like. Um, I believe the creators of Mist, uh, they started in, in their garage, in their, uh, you know, in their garage, just, um, making Mist, and that's how Mist came about, and then it became one of the best-selling games at the time. So you never but, know. It's a- yeah. And I can't imagine doing that so many years ago when you didn't have all these amazing tools that help, mm-hmm. you know, even I idiots know, yes. like myself make games. <laughs> <laughs> so are you still in, in the attic now, or do you have an office now? We, or, we, or a we, room? We are now in another attic, actually. <laughs> Is it a bigger so, attic? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, actually, no. We, uh, it's a, it's a, it's one that's a little bit smaller. It's actually, we had to move around because we're still physically in the same company, you know, just using the same, the, 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 this, we're in the same place physically. We had to move around because, uh, we're basically taking any space that we can get. And now we're actually in a little bit of a smaller attic and our programmer is underneath us. So we're a little bit separated, but you know, trying to, trying to do everything to, you know, to save, save a, a, as much money as we can, sure. you know, just to funnel it, funnel everything into, into development. But yeah, we were in an attic, then we moved away into a basic office and now we're back in an attic. So it's meant to be. Okay, well, uh, did you stamp the floor so that your programmer can hear you maybe to communicate? <laughs> Either that or we just leave the door open and yell at him. <laughs> okay, well, that saves time and money as well. And uh, are you ever tempted maybe to work, if uh, an offer came from a bigger company, say, I don't know, like Ubisoft or EA or something to work on, I don't know, Assassin's Creed or uh, Call of Duty or Battlefield? Well, here's... Um, yeah, here's would the, you be tempted or... Uh, not really. It's an, it's a very interesting, um, it's a very interesting coincidence. Uh, we had an intern that was learning programming like three or four years ago. Then he went to study game design in uh, the UK. And now he came back into Romania and works for one of these, one of the companies that you mentioned, but I'm not going to say which one. And we were just, he just came to visit yesterday. That's why I'm saying it's a huge coincidence. And we were just wow. discussing. Yeah, we were just discussing. I can uh, be mine. Yeah, you can. <laughs> he was, we were just telling, I mean, he knows how goes, he knows how thing go, things go in our little attic. So, cause he worked for us. We, he worked with us for half a, half a, half a year. And he was just telling us how different the experience was there, you know, and just how many levels of, of management you have to go through just to make one little thing happen. And I've also had, I've also heard other, you know, other, I have, I have friends who work for these big AAA companies, mostly in 3D and just telling me these crazy stories of, of people who went to art school and are super talented and they're stuck making like parts of ceilings and parts of roofs, like roof tiles. Yes, uh, I can imagine. Forever. 
for for a year, you know, just making or or windows, you know, just modeling windows. So, so just modeling, just making in a window or a ceiling. Yeah, because or, that's yeah. that's how you get one of those huge AAA games. You know, you just break yeah. it up into tons of little parts and just just give them to a lot of people to work on. And uh, no, I I don't think I would trade. Uh, it would be a very, it would be an interesting experience, but I don't think I would trade it because just working like this in a very small team, it's great because there are so many advantages. You I can just I can just walk up and take a couple of steps and just see how the project is doing with in the case of, you know, any of any of the of the members of my team. And also just from a strictly visual standpoint since I'm, you know, my my trade is I'm an I'm an illustrator and animator. Being just two of us working on the game and if you're a one person team even more so, you know, you just control the cohesiveness of of the visuals. You just make sure that everything flows right. It's so much better as opposed to bigger teams. I've worked on projects in in bigger teams, and it was they they're always you know you, you they're a lot harder to to keep a very steady and 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 readable direction. Sure, yes. Yeah, this is what I really really love about small teams, and it's one of the reasons. It's also one of the reasons that um you know this game took a little bit longer to make than we predicted, but that's because we are. Basically, <clears throat> we basically could have used something like a 15 or 20 people team for this. But since we didn't have it, you know, we just buckled down and made it all ourselves uh, with the advantage being that it just it, it it all looks like it's made by one entity, I should say, because it's <laughs> it's just all three of us working together, pulling in the same direction. And it's great. And I think that's a lot harder to achieve in the case of, of, of bigger, bigger teams. Oh, definitely. So there are three people in the team altogether then, yes? Not, as you said, 15, 20, 100. No, 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 no. <laughs> Just three people. No, because when, and I, th- I think I told you this when I, you know, in Matthew's Adventure X, that, um, you know, that uh, it looked like, a, you know, a big game. It looked like a game that was made by a big team. So I was very surprised <laughs> when he told well, me you know- three people. It was, I was like, big- wow, that's really impressive. Just by, just the look of it anyway, at the very least. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it, it's also a lot of fun to be able to contr- I mean, I I'm the like the art director and the, basically the creative director for the game because I did a lot of the creative stuff, you know, from the writing and the the painting and animating and voice acting and a lot, you know, a lot of this stuff. It's just very nice to have control over everything and not and not because I'm a control freak or anything, but just sure. because if you have a vision for the game, it's a lot easier if you can actually do the work yourself, you know. But I collaborate excellently with with Kami where where it's super important for the creative team to be on the same frequency and we're definitely on the fr- same frequency. And yeah, that's it's it's just it's a it's a very very good feeling to be able to very accurately translate what you want to express. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Um, okay, we can start talking about your game then. We spent half an hour <laughs> discussing your company and our sure. favorite games. So now we talking can talk. Yeah, so now let's get right into it. So um, uh, I'll let you pronounce it because I probably get it wrong. So first of all, can you give us the title of the game and yeah, then it's... just tell us what it's about? <laughs> <laughs> it's called Gibbous, a Cthulhu adventure. And Gibbous mm. is uh, one of those very, very Lovecraftian, uh, Lovecraftian words. It's, it actually means, it, it, it actually describes one of the phases of the moon, 
but it also has a second meaning, you know. The, the, the face of the moon it's describing is when the moon is almost fully but not fully uh, revealed. And, and the second meaning, uh, you know, is related to this. It just, it means almost but not fully, yeah, almost but not fully re- revealed. So it, it sort of has like a second meaning of, of, eh. I did not know that. I thought it was a name you made up. But <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's one okay. of those names. Yeah, it's one of those very Lovecraft games. Yeah, 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 yeah. So because the, the, the moon and its phases play a, a certain significance in the, in the plot of the game. And uh, and obviously, you know, it's a Cthulhu adventure because it's very, very inspired by uh, by H.P. Lovecraft's mythos. And <clears throat> yeah, that's that's the thing. I always knew that I wanted to make a, an adventure game, but you know, when I when I actually when we actually got a team together, and I was faced with the with the you know the, the situation of having to decide on what it was going to be about, I just went to a very simple method of figuring out what the game was going to be, and I just sat down and thought, okay, what do I enjoy what what are some things that i like and how can i put them together in a way that makes sense and so i know i love cartoons and i like lucas arts type adventure games and i like cats and uh the cthulhu mythos and everything that that um lovecraft wrote and comedy yeah i think these i think these are were the ingredients you know and they seem like they would have nothing to do with each other Oh, and also Transylvania, yeah, uh, yes. like the local <laughs> local color, yeah. They so put local all of these stuff. elements together, and yeah, you get you, your yeah, game. You get, <laughs> get my game, and it sounds. Very, I mean, they don't sound like they have anything to do with each other, but it's actually a very cool and uh, I don't know. It's a very very interesting. It was a very interesting uh, creative challenge for me, you know, trying to make sense of all these things and trying to come up with a story that encapsulates everything and also tells it the way I saw it and I feel it. I don't know. It's hard to express these things. I've always oh, had a theme. I yes. Yeah, I've always had a theme for the game in, in mind. I always knew I wanted it to be warm and dark. These were the two terms that stuck out in my mind. And this was some, this was basically the philosophy that we applied to the entire game, you know. So warm and dark needed to apply to the game visually and from a color standpoint and from a writing standpoint and from a musical standpoint. And that's how the game, uh, that's, that's how the game came together. And, uh, it's about this book that's from, uh, uh, Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos. It's called the Necronomicon. So the Necronomicon is this evil tome that has the, cha- the the power to alter reality all around it. And sometimes it can be controlled, sometimes it cannot. And the game starts out with you uh, playing Don Archetype, which is a private detective. <laughs> yeah, I, I just uh, got that. <laughs> it's a telling name. Yeah, it's he's a private detective uh, that's been hired to find the tome, but. You're not the one. I mean, Don is not the one who finds the tome. The tome is found by a librarian called Boz Kerwin, who doesn't really believe in all this stuff, up to the point where he takes the Necronomicon home and just reads a spell from it just to see if it works, and ex- accidentally transforms his cat into a walking, talking abomination, into a talking cat. And this is where this is what everything is set off by. It's because cats, as we all know, are these, you know, there are these superior beings that really don't care much for being humanized and she just kitty the the cat she just hates the fact that she's now humanized and that she has human problems and that she can speak and all she wants is just go back to being a cat and being basically treated like a goddess you know all she cares about is just uh, you know eating sleeping and generally being decorative 
So that's where you set off on the adventure, trying to make sense of the Necronomicon, trying to reconnect with Don, who's been kidnapped. And along the way, you will travel throughout the world and also go to Transylvania and face off with cultists and try and figure out what the greater mystery behind all this is. And it's a pretty damn big plot, you know. This was one of the... I can yeah, imagine, was, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, we have... There, you traveled to something like uh, I don't I don't exactly remember sixty uh, something. Uh, I, we have sixty something scenes. I don't know. It's a pretty 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 long game. Uh, you go to several several places uh, uh, on the globe, and it's this this was one of the one of the cool things about crowdfunding is that because we were even a little bit overfunded, I could just take exactly the story that I wanted to tell, and I didn't have to cut anything out from it. And that's one of the reasons that the game took a little bit longer to make. And it's one of the reasons that the story is exactly the way I wanted to tell it, you know. So whether people will love or hate it, it is, it has not been butchered. It has not been, uh, you know, messed with. It's exactly the, the length and exactly the way it was meant to be told. Oh, sounds, sounds great. You know, whatever happens, that's it. it looks great. Sounds great. So you weren't, you didn't need to compromise too much on your vision or at all on your vision there. You were able to make the game. Yeah, exactly. No. You wanted, which is great, you know, because I, I think that's probably very rare, especially in AAA games, as we mentioned. But I think in general, I, I imagine it must be pretty rare. Yeah, it, uh, it must for, be. It must be. Yeah. But, that's the, uh, yeah. That's yeah. the great thing about crowdfunding. That's the great thing about crowdfunding. Because when we went to crowdfunding, we had a, vertical slice demo which was three rooms and uh i just i had a very general idea of what the plot was going to be i mean the plot pretty much was in my in my head but i hadn't sat down to write it down because i didn't want to do it and then not be funded and just feel horrible you know <laughs> i know <laughs> it, would have, it would have been too sad so thankfully that wasn't the case and we were able to tell the story exactly the way we wanted it to be told and again the game is just the game, uh, as you mentioned, is hand-painted and traditionally animated. We really wanted the game to to look and feel... I mean, actually, not look, because it's HD, unlike the those 90s adventure games. We wanted it to feel like one of those 90s LucasArts-style adventure games, but also, you know, not get... You know, there, there's baggage that comes with those games, so we wanted to, to, make, the, to make the experience as pleasant... For modern players, players of as course, possible. Yeah. 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 So sounds good. Yes. Yeah. That's why we. Yeah. That's why we added. Uh, like uh, you know, you can uh, you can highlight all the hotspots with by pre- pressing space. And there's a hint system. Actually, there's a couple of hint systems in the in the game, depending on who you play as. And you can teleport through. If you double click screen exits, you teleport. If you double click, you not run, but you move faster because there's no running animations. Because I thought that would be weird, you know, just running all <laughs> over the place. Just walk around faster. Yeah, that, that's true. Actually, now that you mention it, when you see the game character just running for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be just a little bit weird. And we also do this crazy thing, which, uh, you know, when you make a game. You you tend to somehow write the wrongs that were very frustrating to you when you play certain games. So, for example, you know, everyone has their pet peeves about games and adventure games in particular. Mm-hmm. One of my pet peeves was sometimes you just run out of options or you have no ideas. And either because you want to brute force the game or just because you want to see what happens, you start just using everything on everything, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I know and, the feeling. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think everyone who plays adventure <laughs> games does. <laughs> 
And one of the things that happens, and it's very annoying with a lot of games, that you get the same canned response over and over and over again. And there are a few games that that just took the time to to have custom responses for all possible combinations, and we are one of them. And uh, as we did this, I realized why most of the games don't do that is because it's a lot of fun to write those responses, but it just balloons up your script incredibly like for one for one uh, screen of the game i have something like 200 i know I, I made an animated gif of this of this 241 custom responses just for using stupid stuff on stupid stuff randomly wow <laughs> yeah and that's not necessarily that's not necessarily a difficult thing because i loved sitting down and writing those they're a lot of fun to write but our game is fully voiced you know so Ooh, yeah even as you speak the descriptions it's fully yes, voiced wow yeah. and we have Anywhere between two and twenty-five descriptions per hotspot. <laughs> I know there's one hotspot that has twenty-five descriptions. So even as we're speaking now, our actor, our main actor Don Thacker, is in the studio in LA, just chipping away at those lines. You know, just he and just it's just a, 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 a crazy amount of work. And I don't know that I'd do this again, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> but I'm very happy that we did it this in this game. So you can just take your time and just use objects on everything and just get a lot of crazy responses. And it's just a lot of fun, you know, because I think it helps. It's a, it's a, it's sort of a stupid thing to, to, to invest a lot of uh, time into uh, on its surface, but I think it actually helps because it really makes the world feel alive. It doesn't, it's not immersion breaking on, on the contrary. You know, it's, I think it it's helps. really, yeah, it really helps. And that's the same thing with the descriptions. That's why some people, you know, just some people are just very, are very confused about why descriptions exist in an adventure game. Why do I need this character to tell me what that is? I know what that is. Of course, if the character just tells you that's, that's the moon and that's it and you don't get anything other from the character, then yeah, of course, they're pointless. But if you, if you do them the right way, I guess, like if you do them the smart way, they can tell you a lot, not only about the world, but all, but also about the character. And that's why I had a lot of fun in Gibbous having our two, uh, we actually, we have two, uh, you know, main characters. And sometimes you examine the exact same hotspot first with one character and then later in the game with the other character and you get very different responses, you know, and that's what, that's a lot, that's a lot of fun for me, you know, because you can really tell a lot about the character um, th- that way, you know, through descriptions and, and adventure games are just basically stories. It's all about the story and the character. And that's the, the they were the focus here. I mean, you know, the beautiful art and the animations and the details and everything. Yes. But, my my main goal was to get you to care about Don and Buzz and and Kitty and everyone around them. Sure, yeah, no, that sounds sounds great. I I see what you're definitely what what you're getting at because there is an example that comes to mind. Siberia. I don't know if you played that game back when it came out. And I have, yes, two, I have. yes. Uh, I loved the, the graphics. I loved the world. I loved um, uh, you know the the scenery. But one of my frustrations with it was I couldn't interact with it. Um, yes. It, you know, like there were beautiful scenes, but then they were very empty and you're just walking around and could admire them. Yeah. But then you couldn't interact or f- interact or find out any more about the character or the story or. Exactly. And world. if you, and, yeah, yeah, if you, if you have an interesting environment and you have an interesting character, you want to know what happens when they interact, right? Even if exactly. it's just a description. 
Yeah, it helps with the characterization. You know, for example, if you see a chair, you click on it. So I don't know, a character might say, oh, I remember when my dad used to sit on this chair and telling us stories. When yeah, I was yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like exactly. that, you know. It's, yeah. I can definitely help. No, definitely. That sounds great, you know, to me. I'm looking forward to it. I, I can see myself just uh, trying everything and everything just to get responses. <laughs> so yeah, you know why? Because <laughs> – yeah, sorry for interrupting. No, it's no, you that- go ahead. It's just that adventure gamers, I think they are, there's this, I don't remember what it's called, but there's this uh, test that you can take online. It's actually like a legitimate psychological test, I think, <laughs> uh, which tells you what, what kind of a, what kind of a video game player you are. And I think, and you can be either be like the, the social kind of guy or the killer or the problem solver. I don't remember. There's a lot of them. But I think most people who enjoy adventure games would fall under the under the the, the category of the explorer, you know, because mm. I don't know when I play any kind of game that just lets me just lets me walk around and stare at the world and and just examine stuff and, and just see what's see what's what. I just love that, and I think that's one of the one of the reasons that we love adventure games, you know, because basically sometimes they're just they're just two D backdrops with with descriptions that pop up when you mouse over them. But there are worlds, you know, they that that's they are there for you to look at them and maybe get a funny description or a funny response when you do something on, on, on it. So I just that's what I really love about classic adventure adventure games. And even though I wouldn't I wouldn't call our game a, a, like a classic gameplay. I mean, it is it's a it's a it's a it's a classically inspired game with with modern sensibilities you know we somehow tried to bridge to bridge this this gap between hardcore adventure game players and just general game players general video game players or even people who haven't played this kind of game ever at all and i i just enjoy uh i just enjoy it very much when someone someone who's never played an adventure game plays plays the game and just you know, just figures out that all they need to do is click on stuff and stuff happens and they're advancing the story and it's it's just great. And we're also doing a lot of uh, effort in this direction, just trying to onboard people, uh, just try to help them understand what they need to do really quickly at the beginning of the game if they've never played this kind of game. Because we don't want it to be, I mean, of course, most people who will buy it will probably be hardcore adventure game players. But we want it to be as friendly and as welcoming to other people who've never played this game, this kind of game, as possible. Okay, sure. So if you've never played an adventure game, that you're not just thrown into the deep end. You're not just. Yeah, yeah. You know, just just tell them that this is your mouse, and here's your inventory, and you can look at stuff and click on it and use stuff from the inventory which you've picked up, and uh, that's pretty much it. Go have fun. Okay. Yes. So you just click away, and then you advance the story. You get to yeah. know about this character and. See these yep. nice animations and uh, yeah, no, so, sounds good. And um, then, then I wanted to ask you about uh, about the plot. So you mentioned, you know, that you're inspired, you know, by LucasArts and by Lovecraft, you know, to mesh all these things yep. um, together. Now, most of the games based on Lovecraft that I know about are, you know, very dark and serious. Yeah. Um, this is the first, you know, Lovecraft-inspired game that I can think of that is comedic, at least comedic in you know in nature has some comedy in it. So, um, what was it always? I know was it always supposed to be you know comedic, or was it always you know did you intend for it to be serious at the beginning, and then you drew on your LucasArts inspirations, or did it change a little bit over time? No, or? 
No, it actually was always meant to be comedic. But calling it, I think, I know we call it a comedy cosmic horror just because it's very mm-hmm. fun to have that that oxymoron type of, of formula that just get throws people off, you know, like, <laughs> what, is, what is comedy what, cosmic what horror? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But actually, I wouldn't necessarily call it a comedy game in itself because okay. because what happens is that the moment-to-moment interactions are comedic, but there's an overarching plot overarching plot that is very serious actually you know i would liken it to an adventure movie but not in the not in the video game genre uh sense something like uh you know like indiana jones is yeah, an adventure say that, yes. yeah because overall it's a you know it's a pretty serious story but uh-huh. moment to moment there's a lot of funny stuff happening you know so it's not just a gag filled uh, uh all for laughs you know uh, type of game like like uh, like Day of the Tentacle, for example, you know. Like it's more serious than that. It's more, yeah, much more serious than that. Even more serious than than Curse. Maybe I would, maybe maybe my model maybe could be construed as being more like toward Grim Fandango, mm-hmm. I guess, which is also hilarious, but, but serious as well. Yeah, it tells a, it it tells a, a real story, and it's it it doesn't just it just uh, give you joke after joke. And I think. Oh. I think uh, I think the reason that this that this can work with uh, with stuff inspired by by Lovecraft and by by the Cthulhu mythos is uh, because one particular thing that Lovecraft does is that he doesn't really care about his his human characters. It's always his stories. Most of the stories are told in first person, and uh, the you know the the characters are pretty shallow, and they're just pretty much there to be in awe of whatever it is, whatever monstrous entity comes at them or whatever uh, horrid you know sequence of events happens and i figured uh you know lovecraft did this obviously for a reason it's because for him it was all about the cosmic dread and it was all about these huge entities that we are ants in comparison to and it was all about the atmosphere so he willingly you know just just didn't focus too much on character development and he's a lot of people criticize him for that, although I think it's a very intentional thing. So I thought, you know, maybe in this case, we keep the, you know, we keep the, the ominous atmosphere and the dark atmosphere, which is, in my opinion, the best thing about Lovecraft. But we also have a little bit of wiggle room there, you know, where he didn't bother too much with the characters. We can, you know, just grow these characters. And that's, that's where the comedy comes in, you know, because the comedy doesn't necessarily apply to the bigger you know cosmic gods or or monsters or anything it applies it applies to the humans you know to the to the little people so you can have both going in parallel nicely and they don't clash with each other of course and the cat as well right that's uh... yeah and the cat as well (laughs) although yeah although she's she's uh she's mostly not so much we're we're not so much making fun of her as she's making fun of us, the player, throughout the game. Because she's very, very, very mean. <laughs> that sounds about right for a cat. I mean, I like cats, but yeah, I can imagine if... Well, don't uh, forget, cat... it's yeah, it's a cat, but with the added, uh, you know, obnoxious element of <laughs> having been humanized against her will, you know. Of course, I can understand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm look, looking forward to it. And then... Another thing you said you're uh, you're from you know Transylvania, but even Romania, yeah. and that part of the game will be in Transylvania. So did, did you use relocations that you went to for the game? Was that was that correct? Or yeah, actually, 
90-something percent of the buildings that you see in-game are actual buildings from my hometown. And here's okay. how that happened. Yeah, here's how that happened. Like, me being the big Lovecraft fan that I am, and just I just love walking around at night through the old part of the town and just li- listening to audiobooks randomly. And I noticed a while ago, like years ago, just listening to Lovecraft audiobooks that, you know, my town is really creepy at night <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty nice town but it has a lot of uh 1700 and 1800 uh buildings a lot of them are in pretty bad disarray because they've been abandoned and no one lives in them and somehow there's there was this uh this weird meld that happened in my mind between you know just just with me listening to these audiobooks and and having this visual feedback of 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 the of my of my own town you know and so when it came to uh to 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 describe to actually painting locations from the Cthulhu mythos, you know, like Arkham and Innsmouth, which are called Darkham and Fishmouth in our game. You know, Lovecraft was all about where he lived, New England. Uh, he was he was Providence, but we've never been there, so it we could have tried to emulate that, but it wouldn't have felt as you know as believable. So I thought, why not just use what we what we live around, you know, I mean, everything that surrounds us is, this is our inspiration. And it wasn't anything forced. As I told you, it just, it just, it just clicked naturally. So yeah, so 90%, 90% of buildings that you, that you see in the game, even if they're in, uh, in places like uh, Darkham or Fishmouth, you know, like the fish people town, they are actual buildings from, from Turgumuresh, from my hometown and some from Sigishwara where, uh, we actually live uh, 60 kilometers from where uh, Vlad the Impaler was born, mm-hmm. and also you you do you go to Transylvania and uh, you you actually go to a fictionalized version of our hometown, and we also take this take this opportunity to make a little bit of fun of all the Dracula cliches, you know, with the with the with the peasants uh, that are very <laughs> You know, very reluctant to speak to you, and with the castle on the hill and all this kind of stuff. But we're not just throwing it there. Uh, we're not just throwing it there just because we're from Transylvania. Actually, uh, Lovecraft did write about Transylvania in a book called *The Case of Charles Dexter Ward*. And basically, there's a little bit of backstory that goes on there. I think it's for like two or three paragraphs, and it's 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 basically some guy writing a letter and telling uh, and telling a story. And what I did was take those few paragraphs. And just expand them into a story that fit into the game. So okay. that was super, yeah, that was super satisfying for me because everything somehow came together naturally and just flowed into, just flowed into each other. So not nothing felt forced or anything, you know. Now you obviously you know said you read a lot about uh, Lovecraft and his books. You obviously know a lot about him. And what what is it about uh, Lovecraft for people who might not have read some of his work? Or his books. What is it about Lovecraft that appears in a lot of games? You know, why, why is he, his story, why are his stories so appealing, and what makes them into adventure games? Here's uh, the thing. What I love about him is not necessarily his cosmic dread, but it's his way of creating atmosphere. But, but actually, the reason that I think that he got so popular and he just permeated all these mediums, and people are experiencing Lovecraftian stuff without some some of them without even knowing that it's Lovecraftian stuff it's also because he was doing something that was very very ahead of his time at the time so what we what he was doing was writing about like creating all these 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 weird 
uh, like this, this, these, this, these weird gods. Actually, the the reason that I think that he was able to permeate all all these mediums so well, and and sometimes you know just people just don't even realize that they're they're, they're experiencing something Lovecraftian, is because everything that he was creating, all the, the 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 gods and the monsters and the locations that he dreamt up and invented, and this was almost a hundred years ago. He was encouraging all his creator friends, all his writer friends, to take those entities and use them in their works, and. This helped spread his so-called Cthulhu mythos. He actually called it Yogg-Sothothri, but it, it, it helped him spread the Cthulhu mythos and it just grew and grew and it just gave it this resilience, this incredible resilience. And, and also this was, this was almost like an ARG back in the day before ARGs were even existed because, for example, when I first started reading about, reading Lovecraft stuff, I was a teenager and I really loved, loved it, but I realized that I was reading about the Necronomicon and I had already known about the Necronomicon from Evil Dead, you know, from those old VHS movies. And I was like, how could this be? Those are not written by Lovecraft. And th- then I stumbled onto, I don't remember exactly what, but it also mentioned the Necronomicon. And this was way before the internet. We didn't have internet back then. This was like 90 something. So I had no way of checking on this, but I almost became convinced that the Necronomicon was an actual real thing why would why would so many different people write about it if it didn't actually exist mm-hmm. so i was very disappointed to find out later when i got on the internet and researched it that the necronomicon doesn't really actually exist but this this was i think a genius move on lovecraft's part just just making sure that a lot of people have access to everything that he created and that they proliferated and basically i think that's what we're doing now you know almost a, a century later it's it's like an homage to his to his uh, to his attitude of just take my stuff and use it, and that's that's you know the, the fact that it's in 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 public domain of course helps you know because we don't have to pay licenses or anything like that, but it just feels right. It's the kind of stuff that just needs to be you you can take it and just reinterpret it to your will as an author, and I think he would have he would be very happy to know that you know. So many years later, his creations still live, you know, and I don't know that I don't know that I'm doing them, you know, justice, but I'm doing my best, you know, like I take the source material very seriously. Like we're not one of those parody games that makes fun of I mean, we're not taking cheap shots at the uh, at at, at Cthulhu or making him cute or anything like that. Like I'm trying to keep the original intent of the author, but also spice it up with a little bit of humor here and there. Of course, yeah, no, it's like it's obvious from, you know, listening to it, you're very passionate about, you know, Lovecraft and, uh, might and meets us and that. So I think you'd yeah. be very happy at least that people like you are using his work, you know, to, in a very creative way and help spreading his, his work as well and his books as well in different mediums. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's not just Lovecraft, you know, I've, I've been inspired mm-hmm. by a lot of, I mean, the list would be, way way too long for me to you know to just all the books and all the movies and all the games that inspired this game it it would just be a, a litany sure uh, yes <laughs> but but just being able to use his locations and you know just just the name of cthulhu which has this resonance you know it just it's not just the fact that you use cthulhu and it's something that's recognizable and people are maybe going to play your game just to see how you dealt with cthulhu it's just this such an awesome opportunity for me to take this thing that was very vaguely described and just make it mine and the same with the locations and the same with the cults and everything it's just a lot of it's just a lot of fun you know it's something that you can anchor yourself to it's you can be a little bit grounded you know by having these 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 uh 
like these milestones, you know. So I wanted to, to ask uh, very briefly as well about the voice acting. So you said it's fully, fully voice acted. There's even for all the descriptions and everything, it's fully voice acted. And how, how many lines of, uh, of dialogue? Cause I think you mentioned that to me before. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, 12, I think it's 12,500 lines of dialogue, something, something crazy like that. That, that sounds like <laughs> a lot. Is, is that higher than average for, say, well, adventure games? I remember talking to I remember talking to Francisco and I think his his game was somewhere around those uh, somewhere around those lines. Uh, so, but his game is pretty lengthy too. I think it's mm. I think it's I think it's pretty lengthy by by today's standards. So Slam and also, City, yes? Do yeah, and also, yeah. yeah, and also you need to take into consideration the fact that my game doesn't really have branching narratives or anything. Mm. You know, it's a it's a linear story. So. Of course, a lot of those are the are the descriptions and the combos that I was telling you about before, but it it just feels very good. Like it, it we are we were very very fortunate to have super talented actors to to bring the characters to life, and it makes uh, a world of a difference. And also speaking of Transylvania, what we also did was when we recorded the 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 voices of the characters that are Transylvanians, we used local actors from here, you know, because we we want. I mean, you know when when you hear people trying to 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 speak like Transylvanian vampires in movies, it's very funny to us. Like, for example, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh, Dracula, which oh, yeah. is, I think, it's great. Like, it's it's my favorite adaptation. But hearing oh, okay. Gary Oldman speak Romanian is just hilarious to us, you know. So we sort I of said, to "Drink your blood." Yes, like that. Like, I know I'm terrible. I'm not- <laughs> yeah, it's super funny to us. I mean, he he did he did his best. But what we wanted to do was like. You know, just provide you with the most authentic Transylvanian accent possible. And we cool. did that by, yeah, we did that by taking the actors and telling them, look, forget everything you know about proper English pronunciation. Just tell it, you know, just imagine that you don't know how to speak English and just pronounce it that way. And actually, uh, one funny story was we have a Roma Gypsy character in the game and I wanted to have a Roma Gypsy uh, actor. And I knew who I wanted to work with. The guy is incredible. He has an incredible voice. The problem is that he knew absolutely zero English. So what we did was we had to write down his lines phonetically. And so, and he read them phonetically. And I had to explain what each line meant. And we had a crazy good time. We laughed our asses off in the studio. We actually have a, we actually have a video of that on our YouTube channel. If you want to look that up, it was just, just a lot of fun. Yeah. It was just. It took us four hours to record two pages of dialogue, but it was really, really <laughs> worth it. And it's very authentic, you know. He speaks exactly like a Transylvanian, has no idea what English language should sound like. And it's crazy because we have, I don't remember, we have something like 70 speaking parts, something like that. Uh, yeah, it's a huge cast of characters. Of course, a lot of them only have a few lines. But most of them, I mean, most of them you, ha- you can have pretty lengthy conversations with, you know. So it was, it was just, I know we, we bit a little bit more than we could chew to some extent. Not, not that we couldn't, uh, not that we couldn't pull it off. We did pull it off, but it just took a lot of time and, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, just wrangling actors and time differences. I was just telling you that, uh, this weekend I was just constantly, just constantly waking up in the middle of the night talking to, to our actor in, in LA and, uh, you know, it's it's nice. It's super nice that we can do this and the Internet exists and that we can work with actors remotely because otherwise, you know, it's been super difficult. But, you know, these things take a lot of time. And another thing that takes time is the fact that we're um, localizing the game. For now, it's eight languages, but we might be adding more. 
So wow. the game, yeah. Uh, it's uh, not voices, you know, just just subtitles. Just text, but yes. Yeah, it's but good. I, yeah, but you know, a hundred something thousand words. It's some. It, it's pretty much the length of the Iliad. I think. I think it's. Uh, I I looked this up. I think it's uh, the the amount of the of spoken lines that was in Assassin's Creed Assassin's Creed Two. I think that's as much as we have. <laughs> I yeah. gotta say, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little. I thought bit I seemed to be saying this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. It's impre- I mean, I, it is pretty impressive. We, but we, yeah, we wanna we we're gonna localize it in uh, in, uh, in so it's gonna be in spoken and uh, subtitles in English and also subtitles in French, Italian, German, Spanish, Russian, Hungarian, and Romanian. For now, we're yes. we have yeah we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to localize it in as many languages as possible, but. We'll see, you know, and 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 also, you know, just just having people translate thousands and thousands of words of dialogue, it's it takes a lot of time, you know. So of thankfully, I, take I, your time to do it right. Yeah, exactly. I know I'm very flattered. and I'm very happy when people tell us that they can't wait to play the game and they keep uh, asking us when it's going to be done. I'm, I'm not telling them that I don't have a release date just to to sound like I'm, you know, just 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 for fun and kicks. I actually. I'm depending on so many people of finishing course, their yes. job and doing a good job that I can't can't exactly specify that, you know. But it's 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 great to to think that we that it's going to be available to so many people also in their native language and hopefully they're going to enjoy that. I'm still going to play it in English, although I'm I am translating it into Romanian, but <laughs> I'm still going to play it in English. Yeah, I wanted to, to ask about that actually. Now that you you mentioned it, so your I mean your English is. It's, you know, it's natural of it. Uh, but t- did it, when you're writing the story, you know, did you write it in Romanian or in English? No, no, I actually wrote it directly in English. Wow, well, okay, no, that's... Yeah. No, cause, but I speak some, like, I can speak Spanish and, you know, a bit of French. Not as well as you speak English. But, you know, if I were writing a story or anything, or if I was doing anything, I would need to probably do it in English first and then translate. So... Oh, again, that, that's impressive. So that's... You know what? I think it's, it's also a, a fact that, the fact that this... Being inspired mainly by an American writer, and also being the kind of, uh, of of medium, you know, like video games are a medium that I mostly, I mean, 99%, no, actually 100% of the time consume in English because I never play it in any. I mean, most games are not available in Romanian, and I think right, right. I think ours is going to be one of the very first that will be available in Romanian because it's a minor language. It's not nobody really localizes for it. I think it just felt more natural to write it directly in English and it's actually a very weird thing that I'm I'm actually finding myself in difficulty sometimes translating from things that I wrote in English into my native Romanian because it's <laughs> I don't know it's well, really I understand weird. it's very <laughs> no, I, I understand when I did I think it was a Spanish course um you know my, my mom is Spanish so I can speak Spanish as well but when I was if I was translating you know from Spanish to uh to English Sometimes I would have some difficulty. How, how do you say that word in English? It's, yeah, <laughs> uh, your brain is working in one language, and then you're trying to get you know to your native language. It's and people ask me, you know, in Spanish, how do you say this word in English? And I'd say, honestly, I right now I have no idea. You have no idea. <laughs> yeah, <that laughs> give, give me a second. <laughs> and but, it's also uh, the fact, yeah, in my case, it's also the fact that uh, English is a much more complex i mean it has a lot more words and nuances than romanian has being such a, okay. an expanded language you know 
So, so that's one extra added difficulty for me. But it's fun, you know. It's it's for me. It's a lot of fun being able to translate my own game into my own language. Even though I I don't think it's really going to matter from a commercial standpoint. I don't know how many people are gonna. Yeah, it it is nice. Uh, you know, most Romanians of my age uh, who play games like know English pretty well. So our media is not dubbed in any way. We only have subtitles, and and so I think that's that's one of the reasons that a lot of people speak English, and it's it's okay. Yeah, that would definitely help anyway. And um, so, so then about the voice acting. So you mentioned that they're in uh, LA as well for the main voice. How do you go about directing them then as well? Do you speak with them on Skype or do they send you audio files with their uh, voice work then and do you tell them, no, I want to do more like this or this is good? Or how, how do you go about, you know, long distance voice direction? Uh-huh. Yeah, we, we did it in a more unorthodox way. Basically, what we did was two years ago when I found these guys, Don and Don Lindsay, who are playing Don, uh, like the detective and the cat, respectively. Mm-hmm. What we did was we brought them here to Romania. You know, we were like, come here, we're going to hang out and we're going to figure out who these characters are. And Don is is uh, not only a voice actor, he's also a, a film director and he's also making a game. He actually was one of the reasons that I went to Kickstarter because he had a successful Kickstarter for a game called Star Mazer. And that's actually how I reached out to him. You know, I was like, hey, what? how can you tell how can how can you help me with this Kickstarter? And he was like, what's your project? I sent him his I sent him my project. I was like, dude, I want to be involved in your project. And I was like, OK, <laughs> do you have any voice acting you need? And I was like, I have a detective called Don. My name is Don. And so <laughs> we really hit it off. And uh, a few months later, they came here. And we just spent two two whole weeks just going over the script and discussing everything with them and just figuring out the characters. And these guys are super, super talented. So when they left back for the States, I was 100% confident that they knew exactly what the lines were going to, I mean, what the lines were supposed to be delivered like and what the characters were. So I just have 100% confidence in them. And every time I... I get the files from them, uh, you know, I just, it's just being reconfirmed each time. And we also have another casting director in the States, uh, which we worked uh, remotely with for, for secondary characters. He wasn't here, so it took a little bit more back and forth, but you know, just when you work with professionals, they tend to get it very mm. early, you know? Right. And also we have another huge, huge, something that was a huge get for us. We have Doug Cockle, the voice of the Witcher. I was about to ask that. <laughs> yeah, we, we have them, we have him, uh, uh, playing our villain. I can't give too much information about him because I don't want to spoil it, but sure, yeah. I can just tell you that we have, we already have his lines in there in the game and they are amazing. He's amazing. Okay, for- for people who don't know who he is, could you explain maybe who he is or what voices he has done before? Yeah, sure. So, uh, in, if you've played, if you play adventure games even casually, you've probably heard of the series The Witcher, The Witcher mm-hmm. 1, The Witcher 2. Like The Witcher 3, I think is the, one of the biggest games ever made. It's, it, it's, it's like a, it's a paradigm shifting game. Everyone wants to be The Witcher now. From what I see being, <laughs> from what I see happening in AAA games, everyone wants to be The Witcher. And basically, yeah. Doug, Doug is, Doug is his voice. And I actually knew him from before I really, really liked his work in, um, there's this series called, uh, Band of Brothers. Band of, is it Band of, yeah, I think it's Band, Band of, of Brothers. Brothers. Yes, I think. Yeah. yeah, he's, he, he's in the series and I really liked his character and I had, I, I didn't did know not, that. I did not realize it was the I same actor. <laughs> Sorry, so, I interrupted you there. 
No, no, no problem. Yeah, so I, I was I was the same. I did not know it was the same actor, but it, it's him. It's the actor that plays uh, The Witcher. And I actually got into contact with him at last year's Adventure X because he was there doing a panel on voice acting. And that's how I that's how I contact him contacted him. And you know, just we just we just actually we just made it happen. It's not a huge part in the sense that there are not tons and tons of of voice lines from him, but he is uh he's one of the cruxes of the story. And I can just tell you that when he makes his appearance, you it just like it just makes the 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 hairs on my on my arms stand up. So it's it was just absolutely amazing having him on board. Again, I say it again. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Witcher himself make an appearance. <laughs> I mean, well, I he's, he's done more things. I think, you know, it's probably unfair. Yeah. Him, but yeah. That's probably what he's most known for right now. But yeah. And, no, you, and it's you, definitely you, very impressive. Yeah. And you can imagine that we didn't tell him you just, just do the Witcher voice, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> that would have been stupid. Uh, no, you know, I, I have range. I can do other stuff. No, no, just yeah. do the Witcher voice. No, no, voice. just do the Witcher voice. It doesn't matter that it doesn't fit the character. Just do the Witcher voice. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but yeah. How about we have the Witcher in the game itself? <laughs> <laughs> that would be weird. No, because he's, he's playing a villain. I mean, okay. Geralt is sort of an anti-hero, but he's not really a villain. So it would have been. Yeah, yeah. Strange. Maybe evil twin brother. <laughs> this, this is why I don't make adventure games. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, but no, that's 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 the thing, and it's 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 even crazier for us, you know, just going back, going from 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 starting a studio because someone dented both our cars to just <laughs> making a game with with Geralt's voice in it and being able to pour this amount of effort and and love and and passion. And just coming up with a with a project that uh, you know actually sur- surprised us surprised us in many ways. Uh, it surprised me because I'm one of those I'm one of those uh, guys who are very creative, but always fall in love with a different kind of project every few months. And this is how I know this game is special is because it's the first time ever in my life when I just did the whole that did the same thing like worked on the on one thing for more than two years, and I did not get burnt out on the contrary like i've never had that feeling of just waking up and can't, i can't wait to go to work and and just trying to pull myself from the computer away from the computer at night so as not to just get physically ill from from working so much and just having so much fun working on something oh that's great i'm not sure if i've ever heard anyone say that that <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty rare i can tell you that's not how my life was before you know when i was doing <laughs> client work so thank god for kickstarter yeah no that's 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 great. Again, you know, again, you know, it shows your passion for the game and, you know, how much it means to you. So, um, yeah, yeah I think I, so, I think ideally that's how, I think ideally that's how all video games should be worked on because yes. trying to be as, as objective as possible. I think when you, when you're going to play our game, you're going to be able to tell that this was not some kind of, you know, just shoddy. Let's just get this done thing. You sure. Know? Yeah. You're taking your time to make sure it's yeah. well made. You know, everything is. All the yep. kinks are taken out and. Absolutely. Uh, okay. And, uh, so then we mentioned very briefly about, uh, you know, the puzzles and the story. What kind of puzzles can players expect in the game? Puzzle, puzzle wise, it's, I guess I, I guess you could, you could say it's pretty, it's pretty classically inspired. So I, we didn't go too crazy. This is because, because of, I don't know, like, I guess it's a sort of a personal preference of mine when I, when I play adventure games, I'm not really crazy about puzzles that aren't 
puzzles that are puzzles. I don't know if you understand, like puzzles. I think I do, yes. <laughs> for their own sake, you know. What I did was try and integrate uh, everything into the flow of the story so that it doesn't just feel, it, it doesn't just strike you as, as arbitrary uh, obstacles, you know. So, oh, like slider puzzles and that? No slider puzzles, no <laughs> mazes. <laughs> mazes, timed mazes, underwater mazes. <laughs> Nothing like that. No, I just, I just don't, I, I just don't like that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, to each his own. There, I know there are people who enjoy that kind of stuff. It, it's not for me. And yeah, my I'm main, the same. <laughs> yeah, and my main concern was, you know, other than making sure that they're not too difficult or not too too easy. That that was actually my main concern. You know, I just didn't want puzzles to distract from from the story and from the characters. And that's not to say that they're very easy or just passable. Some of them are some of them are gonna get you thinking a little bit, you know? But but yeah, they're not they're they're they are story they are story uh very, very story centric, so so to say. But you know it's it's pretty much it, it it's pretty much your uh, your inventory puzzles and some some dialogue puzzles. There were couple of them that I just strayed from the formulas a little bit but you know it's it's stuff that adventure gamers are pretty you know they're they're pretty uh, familiar with and you know they're also somewhat designed so as not to alienate someone that doesn't doesn't already know all the cliches and all the formulas you know okay yeah and was it easy or difficult or challenging to come up with the puzzles or did it did it just come naturally as well, you're designing the game. Yeah, that that was the one part that I that I hadn't already done for years, you know, because I've been writing and and writing and animating and drawing and painting and making music for years. So that was the one part that I, I was a little bit, you know, hesitant about. But it just sort of came naturally afterwards, you know, just putting this putting the story first and just making sure that you get the the right amount of of challenge, it just came surprisingly naturally, and I we try and play test uh, the game as much as possible. So I'm I'm pretty happy with the with the balance that we've achieved. You know, I think the the gradual uh, you know ra- rise in in difficulty was something that was a little bit more challenging, but I'm 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 pretty happy with the results. You know, and also just knowing that the the player has uh, the, the hint system at their disposal at all times. Just you know just Sort of eased my mind a little sure, bit. Sure, yes. We don't need when to go you, out or walk yeah, through. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or get that, frustrated. That, you know, that was that was maybe even a little bit more challenging than some puzzles because you don't want to just give away the solution. You sure, want to be, yes. You want to just you want to just nudge them in the right direction. So when you're done, you have when you're the detective, you have a a notepad that you scribble stuff in that you can access from the inventory, and if you're stuck, you can just read read his thoughts there. And when you're uh, when you're playing Buzz, which is Kitty's owner, but we don't say his his, his owner; it's the other way around. Uh, you can just talk to her and just discuss the situation. So that's the, the that this philosophy of just integrating everything into the story, you know, bled into the hint system too, because it just feels natural. You know, you have a you you write down your thoughts and you read them, and if you're with the sidekick, just walking around, you, you know, you just ask them about, just discuss the situation, just feels natural, you know, and you're not all tabbing and looking and looking it up into a walkthrough. Of course, yeah, no, sounds good. Then finally, with the game, I wanted to ask about uh, uh, the music, because on the website uh, you mentioned you have a live orchestra, is that correct? Well, not not or actually li- li- live music or live instruments, yeah. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, what we did was. 
what we did was write write most of the music digitally, but it's still a very it's still you know uh, like a cinematic cinematic orchestral type of soundtrack. So we did a couple of interesting things here. The the Transylvanian influence also bled into the musical part of the of the game. We took a lot of Transylvanian folk songs and just reinterpreted them so that they sound like a lot more like a game soundtrack or something orchestral. That was a lot of fun. I, I don't think it's something that most people who are not Romanian are going to pick up uh, necessarily on, but they're going to be able to tell that it's not your, you know, it's not your typical orchestral music. It just has that 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 local tinge. And um, another another the the what you mentioned the live instruments part was we didn't necessarily want to have like the orchestral instruments that we could we can we can simulate them with software pretty believably but why what we couldn't simulate the, with software that's what we actually wanted to have in the game and that was for example solo violin and uh this was one of the best experience about experiences about the game and just about collaborating with anyone ever to have this uh, this roma gypsy kid who was like 19 or 20 years old i don't remember he's in the 12th grade super super talented and we got him to we knew he was super talented we got him to record a live violin for the game and also this is also recorded on our youtube channel if you look up gibbous the game i think or if you look up if you just uh, search yeah. for gibbous game on uh, on youtube you're you're going to be able to find these recordings okay. and we just I'll add it on the show notes as well I'll add all the links Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, awesome. but yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we, 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 you know, we, we just went into the studio and we brought the tracks and we gave him like the musical, the musical notes sheets and everything. And he just looked them up and he was like, what if I improvise? And we just let him improvise and it just came out absolutely amazing. Like you can see it on the, uh, you can see it in the, in the video. It's, it's just again, that moment when you're all the hairs on your arms just stand up. It's just, absolutely incredible and uh i can definitely tell you that there's this is a super unique thing for adventure game music i don't think there's another adventure game that you can experience that in and we also had um a little bit of uh accordion live accordion it was just super super fun super fun collaborating with these very very talented uh you know just very talented musicians it, yeah and and the the soundtrack is very very extensive like uh, myself and Kami, we worked on on the soundtrack. I started working on it, and then I needed to delegate because I was doing so many things. And I just told Kami, "Look, this is the theme. The theme is warm and dark. I wanted us to use traditional music, but wanted to sound orchestral. This is what I did so far. How about you make some music? Let's see how it see how it comes out." So uh, a little bit of background: Kami uh, is a classically trained guitarist, and she's been playing guitar since she was ten, so she knows what she's doing a lot more than I do. And so, you know, I just told her to, I just did this fire and forget thing and I told her to make some music. And then, uh, I was very busy with my stuff, uh, and she was busy with other stuff. And two months later or three months later, I don't remember, she had written four hours of music for the game. 99% of it, I just didn't want to give up on because it was just so great. And this resulted in, in the fact that, you know, she had written pieces specifically for each screen. So pretty much 90% of the game, when you when the screen changes, the music changes, and it just it's super nice. So you're not going to to get repetitive. You know, there there's some games that where it can get a little bit you know tiring and repetitive when you hear the same song over and over again. Yes, yes, I know. Yes. 
Yeah, definitely not the case here. So it's oh, a okay. huge soundtrack, and it's going to be available uh, digitally once we release it. Yeah, again, sounds good. Again, you've gone you know above and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see. Is this your first game that you're making? Is yeah, it? this is this is uh, <laughs> this is our yeah this is our first uh, this is our first game. It's our first PC. So, game. so that whole you know starting small and then getting bigger and bigger. <laughs> you just uh, went like big. <laughs> <laughs> we went we went go bigger go or go home. Now here's the deal. Like you never know. With this industry is very very fickle, and mm-hmm. and the way we saw it was how do we how do we stand out? You know how how the hell do we stand out? And what are we good at? And we are good at you know animation and art and music and telling stories. And so we sat down and we before before even starting on the prototype, I said that look. I, we, I either make something that I'm really, really, really proud throughout and not compromise at all, or we just don't do this at all. Because I just, you know, coming from working with a lot of clients, you're you're always you're always expected to just, uh, you know, just make a lot of compromises, and that's something that I just really, really didn't want. So you know, at the expense of of uh, of the game taking more than we had predicted it would take. We still pulled off. I think uh, I think it's 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 quite the feat. You know, uh, pulling off a game that that is this polished and is maybe nine to twelve hours long in two years. I'm you know I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of what we've achieved. I've also I think aged something like five years in these two <laughs> years, but it's okay. You know, it's it was the sacrifice worth making. You can maybe de-age once a game is released and once. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> about that. People keep assuming uh, that can happen because we're from Transylvania, but it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's that. We'll we'll, we'll see anyway. And um, now I know we're past the hour now, but I just want to ask you very quickly then to talk about the game and about the Kickstarter, which you've mentioned before about crowdfunding, yeah. which has helped you. So first of all, again, you were successful on Kickstarter, which by itself is an achievement these days, because from what I see, it's more difficult now, I think, or at least it, it is seems challenging yeah. to be successful. It absolutely that, is. Yeah, you're right. Since you mentioned the Tim Schafer days when he said, oh, I just want to make an adventure game, and people give him $3 million. But now <laughs> it, it seems like people, you need to nearly finish your game, <laughs> yeah. from what I can see. So how much of the, the game was funded through Kickstarter, if you don't, if you don't mind saying? I mean that's pretty pretty difficult to say because what we did was take the funds from the Kickstarter and added our own you know we just used up our the Kickstarter money and our own savings mm. uh, you know at the same time so it's pretty pretty difficult to tell uh, okay, one of the sure. yeah one of the advantages of of being from Eastern Europe is that you know fifty six thousand dollars lasts you a lot longer here than it would I don't know in the UK or in the US where you know prices are a lot bigger. So we managed to, we managed to use the hell out of that money, you know, just by, you know, just, we, we gave ourselves, frankly, you know, like shit pay because that's what you do. You get a lot of money, so you get less money <laughs> monthly. <laughs> but that, you know, that, that way it lasts longer. And we mm. just pretty much gave up on all our social life. And, uh, it wasn't that difficult because Turgumuresh is a very small town where nothing happens. So it's ideal to get, to make a Kickstarter from, you know, because you just work, work, work. But I can tell you that, you know, for the amount of work that we did and, and the, the amount of game that we made, yeah, it's not realistic to say that $56,000 is all it costs, you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, it was the circumstances and, uh, us being, uh, us being very, very, you know, determined to, make something amazing even though we were not paying ourselves well 
basically living for the game and not really having too many other expenses but it was again it was really really worth it and yeah absolutely the just just uh having a successful kickstarter was was amazing i have to give it to the adventure game community because they were just great you know when we launched the kickstarter we had no idea what was going to happen i mean we had we knew we had people who were telling us that we're going to back that they were going to back us day one but really when when you launch you have no idea but what what we did was just spend more than a half what more than a month just making sure that our uh, page looked good and we had a interesting kickstarter video which starts with me bumping my head so <laughs> uh, yeah so we just we when we launched the kickstarter we we basically went there and just clicked launch and had no idea what was going to happen and then people started throwing money at the screen and it was just amazing it was just it was just the three of us in the attic just yelling at each other you know the amount that was just rising and rising and eventually we we asked for $40,000 and we made we made $56,000 and it was amazing for us because you know we were nobodies from the middle of nowhere nobody really knew what who we were but that's that's the reason that I insisted that we have a good prototype and that we 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 make everything as polished as possible because that's how you stand out and and that's how people know that you're not just you're not you're that you're serious about it you know that you've already put the work in that you've made a demo and that you're serious and this is what you want to do and people really really respond to the to that kind of honesty and it's it's great you know we managed to build a little bit of a community around the game and it's they're just the most amazing people that's what i find as well with adventure game as i said before when I was in the Adventure X, just everybody was super nice. Yes. And supportive and of each yeah, other. Yeah, and it's so nice to actually meet actual people in the flesh who back your game and you you know, you, you can't even tell them how grateful you are. They basically changed our lives, you know. Sure, because yes. We went from working on stuff that we did not love working on to just doing what we love all day, every day for two years. And even if it's a lot, even if it, it was a lot of blood, sweat and tears, and if, if, even if it's a lot of work, that's what we wanted to do. And we wouldn't trade it for anything else. And that's why we're really hoping that this game is going to make decent, you know, it's, it's going to do all right financially because we just want to be able to keep, to keep making games. You know, that's, that's the dream. And also the fact that, you know, we've worked on, we've worked on the game basically Pretty much in anonymity, with with some exceptions, like the guys from the AdventureGamers.com forums and some some people that already knew about the project. But there wasn't really like a spotlight on us. But when we launched the Kickstarter and throughout that month, it was just very very nice having so many people discover us. Also from from Romania, you know, from an, on a national level, we had no idea if we were going to be supported here, and we were super super supported. We met a lot of people, <laughs> met a lot of devs, and we basically went from nobody's to having our game start to being noticed you know a little i mean noticed a little bit because in in this in this crazy industry is just of course yes as we yeah. said before there was like a million games just on steam yeah you know and it's very very frustrating writing to the press for the entirety of the month and just being constantly ignored because what we didn't know at the time and this was a mistake on my, my part was that just you know, just telling people, I was, I was just writing people that we, uh, you know, to the press that we have a Kickstarter, but it's just being a Kickstarter was already not news anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And this was 2016 yeah. when, I mean, it was still all right. I feel like Kickstarter is a lot more difficult now. There's also been some very, some pretty, uh, visible, I don't know, uh, you know, disappointments, I guess. Mm-hmm. And yeah. maybe, maybe that's colored some people's perceptions, but I still believe in Kickstarter. There are, some, there are still very, very good games that 
that uh, get funded and that release and and that are good. And look, the the thing is that yes, games on Kickstarter are going to be late. It's something that that is going to happen. In our case, there there are a few reasons. One of them being that we had no idea that we were going to be overfunded. So I thought, you know, when I when I set the release date, I thought that we weren't we were only going to get you know barely make. Uh, you know, the money that we asked for and that I, I was going to have to make a smaller game. Thankfully, that wasn't the case. And that's why we're making a bigger and more more awesome game. And also the fact that, you know, when you're making your first, I mean, games are these, I, I thought I knew how incredibly complex and difficult making a game was. I had no idea. <laughs> learned on the job. <laughs> yeah, learned on the job. Especially, especially if you're if you're trying to hold your game constantly to to very high standards, and you don't want to compromise, course, yes. no matter how far you are into the project. But I could I couldn't be more grateful to our Kickstarter backers because they have been so understanding. We we we've only gotten you know positive reinforcements from from them and. I'm glad that they also have the same attitude that I have toward Kickstarter. I'm like, I'm going to back this project and I'm I'm not even going to worry about when it releases because I know how difficult making games is. So when it's going to release, it's going to be like this nice surprise for me, you know? And I, I used to love re- reading the updates, but I generally have no more time to do that anymore, you know? Just I'm just yeah. too busy with my game to to worry about other games, but I, I genuinely enjoy them when they come out. Of, of course, yeah, and it must be... You know, different keeping in contact with your fans and then other people, you know, reading other people keeping in contact. Then I wanted to ask as well, because you talked about the backers there, you know, you have, you have the backers, but then you're releasing the game. Yep. So I assume then to, for the game to be profitable, to be hit, hopefully, you have to hope that a lot of other people buy the game as well. So I, I know some other developers might be concerned if they just go to Kickstarter that maybe just the backers will buy the game. And then once it's released, well, you know, then other people might might not. Now, with your game, it does look great. You know, I don't think that would be a problem. But what what do you think? You know, about this um, when you do Kickstarter and these concerns that other developers may have? Yeah, I don't know. It's 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 very scary. You know, like you, I like like you were saying. I hope the fact that we that we obviously put so much into the into the into the into polishing this game and make sure that it's a great product. I really hope that's going to make a difference. I really hope the people are going to click with the characters and the story and they're going to want to see a continuation and that, they're, that there's hopefully going to be some buzz around it and there's hopefully going to be this word of mouth, you know, which is hugely, hugely important. But to be honest with you, I have, I really have no idea what to expect. What I can tell you is that we're going to do everything on our part to make as much noise as possible when we're <laughs> launching this thing, you know. I mean, we've tried sort of pushing this game and marketing it. Marketing is a very complex term for what we're doing. It's just basically, <laughs> uh, you know, being active on social media and being uh, being active on 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 Twitch for a while. We haven't been doing that uh, because it, it, our streams had started to become very spoilery. But we can't wait for the game to be done and start streaming on Twitch and getting back with our with our community. We had we always had a couple of people. You know, constantly watching us work on the game because we streamed everything. So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that's 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 all that we can do. You know, just hope hope that people are going to click with the characters and at the same time do everything in our power just to to push it out there as much as possible and just yell at everybody that this game is out and it's amazing. So it it is it is very it is very difficult. It's very intimidating when you when I I I, I check I keep checking this. Uh, website i don't know if you know about it. it's called what's on steam and i think it updates every 10 minutes and something like sometimes there's like 
40 games coming out every every single day, and it's very, very yes. intimidating. But no, but as you mentioned, you know, you've mentioned the different ways where you guys stand out. So, yeah. um, you know, signs so, so far, it's, I believe, are good. Certainly when I first saw the game and everything I've heard since. But, um, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed and we'll all do what we can to get the yeah. word out. Let's hope uh, so. Let's hope so. I just, uh, as you were saying before, you know, I'm not trying to make this game exclusively for, so I'm not trying to limit my game exclusively to, to hardcore adventure game players. Ultimately, course, yes. yeah, ultimately these are, why, why do we, the reason we love these games is for the, mainly for the story and the character and the atmosphere, the characters and the atmosphere. At least that's what I love about adventure games. So what I hope is that, you know, this being a, a cool story about a, a cat that, talks and doesn't want to hopefully that's going to resonate <laughs> with a lot of people and uh, and for me at least she's basically the star of the show she steals the show and i just love i just love the fact that the, the entire i just i just love the fact that the entire game revolves about it around a, a cat a very mean cat and i would very much love it if it would if the game would be success success even if even if only because of this you know it'd just be amazing but we'll see you know what Sure, as I was yeah. saying, yeah. As I was saying before, all we can hope for is just to make, we're you know, not break bank or anything. Just we just want to make enough money to keep making games, you know. And maybe, sure. maybe expand the team so that I don't have to work twelve hours a day for two <laughs> years, you know. Sure, yes, and you know, maybe you can get an, an office or something, or you know, a, or maybe go work downstairs in the living room. Or <laughs> yeah, that would be it. <laughs> little little be by something. little. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so where do you plan on releasing the game then? Uh, so I presume Steam and GOG. Steam and GOG, and we're also uh, uh, it's it's all it's already working on mobile. Uh, oh, that's, oh, that's, that's another question I meant to ask. So do you mean yeah. to release it on other platforms as well, on mobile as well? Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. the, the thing. The thing with adventure games, that's it's the it's one of the very few PC genres that translates beautifully to mobiles. You know, it's just what the only thing we need to worry about is just maybe optimize the the you know the the pngs like the 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 image files a little bit because mm-hmm. some scenes in this game are huge like we have we have a couple of scenes that are 6000 pixels by 5000 pixels these huge vistas that zoom in and out so uh, but but the game is already working beautifully on mobiles the problem is that we only have one developer so we can't do these these synchronized launches you know as soon as we as we launch it on on PC and uh, Mac and Linux, and we make sure that we are dealing with uh, any kind of bugs or any kind of problems that show up. We're going to start start the porting to other to other uh, platforms, and we're looking into. We're already <clears throat> sorry, we've already been, ma- been making some moves towards toward uh, porting it to consoles. So okay, that's, but that's, that's pretty that exciting. Uh, but unless we unless we somehow clone our our programmer, that's going to be a <laughs> bit a bit farther down the line. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so it's step by step then. Step by step, yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, sounds good. And then um, now I have here as well. I can add the link to the show notes and on, you know my website as well as well uh, as well as well. I'm tired as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so where are the main places that people can find you online? Uh, yeah. Uh, so first of all, our website www.gibbusgame.com. So it's g-i-b-b-o-u-s-g-a-m-e.com. And you can look up Gibbus on Steam. We already have a Steam page, and we would really appreciate it if you would, if you're interested in the game, if you wishlist us, and you can leave us a comment, and you can tell a friend about the about the game because it would really help us when we 
when we launch and wish lists are super important, not just to us, but because, but to Steam. I, I, you know, uh, a, a game somehow gets visibility based on Steam's algorithm, algorithms, which really take into account the, the number of wish lists. So that's why it's okay. super important to us. And they can also reach us on, uh, Twitter at giveusgame. So it's the same as the, the same as the website, twitter.com slash giveusgame. And we're also on Twitch. Uh, and we're going to start streaming a lot soon. Also, twitch.tv slash game. And you can look us up on Facebook, Gibbous a Cthulhu Adventure. And I post uh, both on Facebook and on Twitch. Usually I post on Saturdays. I post GIFs and cool, pretty cool screenshots, you know, just to keep people in the loop. Sounds good. Well, the very best of luck. And then after, I'm sure you'll take a holiday, uh, vacation, when you release the game. I don't uh, know about that. No? Or really, we continue <laughs> to work on it. Uh, yeah, but... I if you just go to the beach somewhere and say, no, not no, available. <laughs> no, probably going just to spend the days online just shouting about the game and letting people know that it exists and trying to get people to notice it and, and, and play it and maybe go to some events and try to, try to, cause it's really nice, uh, as you saw yourself at Adventure X, super nice yes. to connect with people live, and it's 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 a whole different thing when you watch them play your game and their face lights up and they can ask you questions and you're happy mm-hmm. to answer them. It's a whole different thing. So that's how I hope we'll we'll be able to spend the time, spend our time once once the game is launched. You know, still still supporting it and letting people know about it. Do you have any tentative plans for any other games? Uh, if you know, let hope this is a hit or anything or. Anything new or any any possible sequel or spin-offs or anything at all that's absolutely yeah mm-hmm. absolutely I have I know how the story would continue I'm just afraid you know I'm just uh, I'm not really superstitious but something along those lines you know <laughs> because course. I don't want to I don't want to think about it in too much detail before I find out how Gibbous is going but of, if Gibbous, of course yes no, that's yeah. understandable. Well, yeah, okay, something planned at least with thought out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, absolutely. And I would, I, I'm so excited about the story, and I really, really hope we get the opportunity to to keep to continue telling it. You know, because it's you know it's a universe that I loved spending a lot of time in. Like I spent two years in this universe that I, that I created, and and I just want to tell more stories in it. So. Hopefully, if the if the game comes, if the game performs nicely enough, we're gonna do, we're gonna definitely going to do a sequel. I mean, I'm not sure that I really want to call it a sequel. Let's let's just say like a game that is uh, that is in the same universe. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. that is that is yeah that is the plan. That is the plan. Okay. Well, thank you very much, uh, Livy. Before we go, is there? Uh, now you spoke a lot about the game already, but is there? Anything else you'd like to add before we finish to any adventure players or any other developers or backers or fans or anything at all? I don't know. I just, I just wanna, I just wanna say keep, keep playing these games, uh, because, and keep buying these games, I guess. I know it sounds like I have a vested interest in this, but really it's, it's what keeps these games alive. Of and, course. and, and since I've, since I've met, I love going to these events and, and meeting both makers and enjoyers of adventure gamer of, of adventure games, it just makes me feel very good inside because it's such a nice ecosystem where you know where where people support each other and that's how these beautiful crazy things come to exist and we come to enjoy them. So I know that I try and 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 uh, support most. I can't say that all you know because there there are probably some that I'm missing out on. 
but I try and support uh, either on Kickstarter or by buying and trying to support all these these indie adventure or narrative games. And uh, I just hope more people do so that we we get more, more and more of these games. Yeah, so heard it here as well. Please buy adventure games and yes. give, give us when it's uh, released. We'll find out soon. I'm sure I'm really looking forward to it, especially after this uh, speaking with you. Um, I can see you've put your heart and soul and everything you have, you guys have done into this game. So I am really looking forward to it. And maybe we'll get a spin off on the cash. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Thank you very much. Uh, thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Livy. So I hope to speak to you again soon. Thank you. Okay, it, was, so- it was super fun talking to you. It was a joy. So that was my interview with Livu Bohr, Stuck in Attic. I hope you enjoyed it. And as you heard, they really, really went to really crazy lengths to make the game as good as they could make it. So I hope you check out the game. You can get it on Steam and on GOG. So that's Gibu's Cthulhu Adventure. So next week, I'll be joined once again by Thomas. And I will hopefully give my first impressions of Gibus. I will see what else I can fit in in the meantime. So until then, I hope you enjoyed this episode. So I will see you all next week. So have a good weekend and have a good week, everyone. Bye. If you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for Adventure Game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are an adventure game developer or an adventure game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you